All right. So this week, the weather sort of turned a little bit around here. Did anybody notice that? It's a little chillier today than it was maybe a few days ago. And, you know, here in Minnesota, where we are uh, recording uh, and doing this service, sort of what happens? It, it turns winter eventually here. And we have a four-letter word uh, that we won't mention. Uh, but the forecast was telling us that that was going to happen. Uh, earlier in the week, it said maybe Thursday or Friday, we'd get that four-letter word uh, that would come. And, uh, you know, I was watching the weather. I was getting ready uh, for this winter season, as uh, many of us do uh, during this time of year, you know, you start to, I take in the basketball court and put it away, uh, a basketball hoop, I take in the garden hoses, you know, uh, try to make sure that your leaves are all put away uh, and taken care of, you know, all these things, I, you know, put the mower at the back of the garage and pulled the snow, oh shoot, uh, snow blower out to the front, uh, I said it, um, sorry, uh, I pull the snowblower out to the front of the garage, right? I'm getting ready uh, for, uh, for the season. It's what we do here. And, you know, lo and behold, it was Tuesday night I was doing this. My neighbor was doing the same exact thing, right? And how many of you are doing that this week? Getting ready for winter, anybody? Yep, yep, getting your house ready for winter. It's something that we do. So I had to keep my eye on the weather in order to get ready for winter. It's part of what we do. Um, but we keep our eyes on a lot of things, but we keep our eyes on the things that are most important to us. So what are the things that are most important to you? What do you keep your eye on? Is it the weather? Is it the stock market? Your checking account? Is it maybe your fantasy football team? Or maybe the sports scores? Or maybe if you're uh, a student, it's your grades, keeping track of those grades. We keep our eyes on a lot of things. Uh, we keep our eyes on what we think is most important to us. And uh, today's passage is written to a church that needed to be reminded about what to keep their eyes on and what was most important. Uh, so it's part of our community Bible experience. We've been reading through the whole New Testament in kind of chronological order. We've got these special books uh, that we've been reading, or if you've been reading on your phone, uh, we've taken out all of the verse and chapter markings. Uh, it's made it sort of a little bit more like a novel. Uh, it's been fun to read uh, if you've been joining with us. And if you haven't, there's still time. We've still got a couple weeks left. Uh, we you know, can jump in this week and start reading uh, with us. We're going to be reading um, uh, out of John this week, uh, as well as... Uh, the book of Jude, and a couple other uh, letters. And so today, we're going to be in the book of Jude. It's not a very common uh, passage or book that uh, people look at in the Christian faith. It's often neglected. So I'm excited that we get to look at it today. I think it still has some importance for us uh, today. And uh, it had some importance back then, which is why it was uh, put into Scripture. So, in the first couple verses of Jude, we learn that the author is... Jude, or more likely Judah, because um, that's how it would be written out in the Greek or in the Hebrew. Uh, so Judah, uh, he calls himself the brother of James, and research tells us likely he's also uh, the brother of Jesus. So these are two important people in the early history of the church, Judah and James, who write letters uh, that are corresponding uh, to their names in the later parts of Scripture. So today we're going to look at Jude, or Judah's work, 
He also tells us that it's written to uh, who it's written to. It's those who are called uh, or those who are loved by God. Uh, of course, we don't know exactly what church it was written to. Likely it was uh, circulated around, which is why it's a part of Scripture, uh, part of the canon. Uh, but we do know it's likely mostly a Jewish audience or at least a, an audience that would know kind of uh, a lot of Hebrew knowledge because there's a lot of Old Testament uh, references as well as some key uh, common Hebrew uh, pieces of literature that are referenced in this book. So it starts in, uh, we're going to start in verse 3. He says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write to you and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. So right away we learn that he had this intent to write about salvation uh, that they share, but instead something has come up. And he's compelled to write a shorter, briefer letter. So Jude, man, you can read this in about three to five minutes, depending on how fast you read. It's such a short letter. Uh, but there's a lot in here. He says, I was compelled because of something that was happening. And I want you to contend for the faith, he says. And we're going to find out what's happening. He says, I'm going to contend. I want you to contend for the faith. This is the only place that this was written in scripture. And it has this idea of an athletic competition. So it's kind of getting ready, preparing, struggling, uh, that sense of struggle against an enemy. And the question is, why does he want to compel them to contend for the faith? Well, we find out that there's a problem in the next verse. There are people who are sneaking in. Verse 4 says, Certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality. And they deny Jesus Christ as our only sovereign uh, Lord. So these people are sneaking in among them. They're hanging out with the Christian community. And it says that they are ungodly, which means that they don't have reverence for God. They sort of do whatever they want. In fact, it talks about they have a license for immorality. But it also says they're sneaking in. So they must have some level of appearance of good, because if it was all bad, they would be like, you know, they would reject them, right? So there's some level or of appearance that they are doing good. In fact, they're even eating among uh, them. We'll find out later. But it also says they're per perverting God's grace. And over the next several verses, uh, 5 through 15, there are a bunch of stories that are told that we're not going to read uh, today. But suffice it to say, these stories um, show some really poor ways that people have treated others uh, in, in the Old Testament. And there are some analogies that are given that really kind of give us a picture of who these people might have been. These were selfish people. They were focused on themselves instead of others. They were spiritually empty, and they were living in errant ways. They talk about stars being destined to only exist in the darkness. And none of these images that are shared in this are very complimentary. If you want to uh, join us in reading this uh, this week. It's one of the passages that we will read. And you'll see that these are really negative images that are shared about these people, negative stories. Two things that are really important for us to understand out of this. One is that they are saying, hey, we are all free in Christ. 
which is very much true. We are free in Christ. But they were using it as a license to say, hey, if you're free in Christ, you can do whatever you want. But we all know that when kids do whatever they want, or when adults do whatever they want, it doesn't turn out well. I did that one day with my kids, and let me tell you, it ended in a lot of crying. Because what I want may not be what you want, and vice versa, and these things begin to compete. And uh, needless to say, commentaries uh, say likely that they were sleeping around, uh, these are mostly men that we're talking about, are sleeping around with other women, and they're forcing them uh, to do that. Um, so it's not some very nice stuff. And then the second thing is that they're denying that Jesus was Lord. They're saying Jesus was not God. He's not the leader. Uh, they're sort of saying, hey, you can have Jesus, but there's maybe some other things over here that you want to add to it uh, as well. And verse 16 has a really good summary of this. It says, these people are grumblers. They're fault finders. They follow their own evil desires and they boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. And what he's establishing here with this history of people who have not done these things he's talked about is that there have always been, there are, and there always will be people like this among us who are going to be selfish people, grumblers, who are going to do things for themselves that are going to hurt other people. And they're going to have the appearance of good. They're going to sneak in among us. They're going to try uh, to convince us that Jesus is not Lord and that we can do whatever we want. These are ungodly people. They're focused on their own desires and they're very stealthy about it. They're maybe doing some good things. They're joining in the festivals. They're even sharing in the meals, it says. But if we dig deeper, there are some character problems. There are some activities that are happening that are not a part of the Jesus way. And Jesus' way is fairly simple. Jesus says his greatest command is that you would love God and love people. And these are the things that they aren't doing. They are not loving God and they are not loving people. But we shouldn't be surprised by this. We've seen it in the past. We see it in the present. We will see it in the future. And verse 18 uh, reminds us more about this. The apostles are saying, hey, look, in these last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, instincts and do not have the Spirit. And this is a problem that's still happening today. In fact, uh, a number of months ago, uh, at McLean Bible Church uh, in the D.C. area, there was a coordinated divisive effort uh, to use disinformation and to persuade people in the congregation to vote down some elders that were being presented to the church. And they were ultimately trying to take over the church. Now, David Platt is the pastor of the church, and you might be familiar with him. He's the author of the book Radical. And I've had a chance to talk with him. And if you've had a chance to read his books, you would know that there is no way that he is embodying the things that they're accusing him of. 
they say he's trying to purge the congregation of conservative from the church. And they call, they've taken to calling the church Melanin Bible Church because of its commitment to diversity. And the claim is that he's a liberal pastor or a woke pastor. But like I said, I've talked to him and I've read his books. And if you look at them, there, you would know that there is no way that those accusations are true about him. Uh, in a recent sermon, he said this, we will not apologize for our increasing diversity or our commitment to humbly address racial issues from God's word as we unite together on a glorious mission to proclaim this good word and our great God. As we unite together on this glorious mission for our city of five million plus men, women, boys, and girls who are on a road that leads to an eternal hell and they need the good news of God's love for them. David Platt is compelled by God's mission to help people know that they are loved by him. And these people tried to coordinate an attack, and they sort of succeeded uh, temporarily, uh, but if you go online, you can see the rest of the story. They ultimately did not succeed. But this shouldn't surprise us. These things are still happening uh, today. They've happened in the past, and they will continue to happen in the future these people in David Platt's church, McLean Bible, had the appearance of good. They had a lot of right things, but they were seeking to, to divide the church. And so the question is, what do we do when that happens? Uh, this is happening in our churches today. Well, Jude says, but you, dear friends, in verse 20, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And what he's doing, what the author here is doing, is he's giving us a metaphor for growth and how to handle these people who are seeking to divide us, who are seeking to tear us apart and lead us astray from what God intends for us. And it's this metaphor of, of, of a building so it's got a foundation, and the foundation is our most holy faith. And for us as Christians, our most holy faith is Jesus. Jesus is our foundation. We put our hope and faith in the person of Jesus. That Jesus is king and leader of our life. That Jesus died for our sins according to Scripture. That he was raised again according to Scripture. And that we can follow him. So we have this foundation in Jesus Christ. And then he says, we put on prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit. So when we have this foundation of Jesus Christ, then we pray. We pray in the Holy Spirit. And then he adds to that, growing in, lo God, uh, growing in love for God. And so when we think about that word that's used there, that keep, keep yourselves in God's love, that word has a sense of attending to or being watchful of being careful of. And it sort of has that same sense at the beginning of like an athletic competition. We're getting ready for this. We're preparing for this. And we keep watch over the things that are most important to us. So Judah's inviting us to keep watch over God's love, to be attentive to that. And when we think about, well, what does it mean to keep God's, what does it mean to keep God's love? Uh, John 14, 15 reminds us that in order to keep God's love, 
we obey God. And that's exactly the opposite thing that these people that were coming in were doing. They're not keeping God's love. And God's love is simply this. God's law, God's commands can be summed into this one thing. Love God, love people. That's what we're about. So we add that to it. So we've got the foundation of the most holy faith. We've got the prayer and the Holy Spirit. We've got keeping in God's love, keeping God's commands. And then this last piece is waiting for God's mercy. And what do you do when you're waiting for something that's important for you? Do you sit back and sort of passively wait for it to happen? No, you check things. You, you look things up. You, you actively do things to get ready for that, whatever it is you're waiting for. So the question for us is, how is our building here at Crossview Rosa Parks? Is our faith foundation Jesus? Is it a part of everything that we do, everything that we say here? And then are we praying? Are we regularly a part of praying in the Holy Spirit? And then how are we doing at loving God and loving others, caring for others? And then are we actively watching for God's work in our lives, in, in our community. Because for Jude, when we're doing these things, we're living out God's purposes. And how we live our lives is the most reliable indicator that we have of what we actually believe in our hearts. So what we do shows everybody else what we believe. So our character matters, and it determines how we'll treat, treat other people, whether or not we will love them and care for them. And Jude goes on to encourage us in a number of ways to, to do that, to live that out. In verse 22, he says, be merciful to those who are in doubt. So we have these people who are kind of leading people astray. Some people are going to start doubting. And he encourages the community to be merciful to those who are doubting. And there are a lot of people who doubt. And if that's you, one of the things we want you to know today is that's okay. It's okay to doubt. We're going to extend grace. We're going to continue to teach you and love you and care for you and help you to grow in your love for God. But then he says for others in verse 23, you need to save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, you need to show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. And so what I love about these two things together is I get a sense in here that Jude's saying, look, loving others takes a lot of different forms. Sometimes it needs to be grace, a listening ear, an empathetic ear. And sometimes I need a swift kick in the butt. I need a reminder that what I'm doing is wrong. So loving others can take either of those forms. Sometimes it's going to be a swift kick in the butt because we need it, but sometimes it's going to be an empathetic ear, a listening ear. But what I love about this also is that it's all done in community. It's done in relationship with others. So I'm not going to go up to someone that I don't know and give them the swift kick in the butt when I see them doing something wrong. I'm going to wait until I've built up a relationship enough that I'm ready to have that conversation with them. I'm also not going to be the sole arbiter of truth. I'm going to invite community into the conversation so that together we're working 
with this person that maybe needs a swift kick in the butt. <laughs> that we're loving them in community. So I'm not deciding for myself where to extend grace and where uh, to maybe intervene and do something drastic. Together as a community, we work on that. It's a communal thing. And then, most importantly, this all is done through Jesus, not on our own. And verse 24 reminds us that it is all about Jesus. It says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. So friends, it's only because of Jesus that we are able to do these things. That we're able to love each other and love God. And know whether or not we are to extend the loving grace or to intervene and maybe give somebody that swift kick. And so what I want to encourage you uh, today is to do some of what Jude encouraged us today uh, to do. To build yourself up in the faith. That was part of that foundation piece, part of that building that Jude was building for us, that we would grow in our faith. Uh, we have this neat diagram that we've been working on. Can we throw that up, up on the screen? So at Crossview, maybe you can read that. We, have, uh, we think about our faith in terms of four different areas. Uh, we're growing in worship, we're growing in community, we're growing in serving, and we're growing in uh, our generosity. And as we grow, we grow closer to Jesus at the center. And so what we want to encourage you to think about is where are you at in your faith life in each of these areas? Are you still exploring things? Are you connecting in one of these areas? Are you starting to follow Jesus in these areas? Or are you starting uh, to disciple other people? And that word disciple means you're helping others to, to go on that journey. There's a multiplicative uh, aspect of that. And so this is one of the ways that we grow our faith as we think about these four years. How am I growing in worship? Prayer. Being in community that helps me to grow more like Jesus so I can know God and love God. We think about community. We want to be together in smaller groups of community so we can study the Bible so we can build up that relation. So I'm not coming up to somebody that I don't know. I've been in relationship with you when I have a conversation, a tough conversation. Uh, so that happens in smaller community. And then serving is part of the ways that we grow. Uh, we give our time. We serve in the community. We serve here at church. And then finally, finances is one of those areas uh, that we work on. We give uh, to the Lord because God has given to us. So these are ways that we build up our faith at Crossview. And then the second thing uh, that Judah invites us into is that whole prayer thing. Um, we bring things to God. And we pray regularly at, uh, at this church every uh, Tuesday night. We do a prayer meeting online. You can join us or send us prayer requests. We want to be praying for you and with you. Um, and we want you to be praying in your small groups and other uh, places. We can listen to God as well in prayer. And then uh, third, he, he tells us to keep in God's love. And this is all about the obeying God's commands. Loving God and loving people. Loving God changes the way that we interact with other people. And more specifically, it even changes the way we live out our sexuality, uh, which the people in this passage were not living out well. And it helps us to know how to treat one another, whether we extend grace or we speak up. And then the last piece is just actively keeping watch for God's work in our lives. 
being attentive to what God is doing in the people around us and in our community. So here in Minnesota, we have to watch for the weather. It's coming, winter's coming, whether you like it or not. And there's a particular way that we wait for winter. We don't sit around waiting for winter to come to us. We get ready for winter, right? We rake the leaves, we get our lawnmower put away and bring out the snowblower or shovels. We do things to prepare for winter. Well, similarly, we want to keep watch and contend for the faith, like we're preparing for a Minnesota winter. Or, as an athlete, we prepare for a competition. We want to get ready for what God has for us. And we will be ready to help if we do these things, if we build up the faith, if we pray, if we spend time loving God and loving others, and if we're actively living these things out on a regular basis. So friends, I want to join you to prepare for these things like a Minnesotan would prepare for winter. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for a reminder that we need to be actively preparing, keeping watch for ways that you are at work in our lives and ways that the evil one is at work around us so that we can join you in bringing your goodness and love uh, to places in our community, to our church, and to remind one another of your goodness and love for us. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us to build up our lives actively, to follow you, to love others, and to continuously pray. Amen.